proclaim that by saying together, Amen. Amen. All right, ears. Oh, one, two. I got two. Any of the former Marines, I got them right away because they understand. Let's try it again. We're just making sure we're all awake and on board. Ears. All right, our ears are open. We're ready to hear from God this morning. And that implies this, church. That implies that as we hear from God this morning, that we are already preparing in our hearts that we're going to respond to what He shows us. We're going to see God, experience God, know of God, and that gives us an opportunity, an invitation, if you will, to then respond so that we can follow Him, just like we sang about a few moments ago. I want to invite you to take out your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. And we looked at this passage many weeks ago, Uh, our first time together when I came and preached, uh, when you hadn't decided yet whether you wanted to call me to be your pastor. And I I thought it was appropriate that we close this series with the same passage or similar passage. We were at least there. So turn to James chapter 1, and um, we're closing out our study on bring the book. We've been looking for several weeks uh, in the scriptures, through the Bible, to see what God says about His Word in our lives. And we spent several weeks talking about how that word is to be planted. Remember how we receive it in the parable of the sower and the seed. And then in the last week and this week, we're talking about the application of that. Now, several years ago, I think it's been about 25 plus years, uh, I was a little more into sports than I am today. I had more time on my hands. I don't know what it was. I guess just being younger is more into sports. And I remember an advertising campaign that came out. And if you were involved in any degree with being a sport fan, you recognize this. There was, a, there was a manufacturer that came out and they began to promote their, their, um, their shoes, their footwear. And uh, they had this certain slogan and they used this slogan to entice us all to buy Nike product. And if you'll remember, that slogan was just do it. You remember that way back when? Just do it. And it's really interesting because that captured my imagination and my attention even as a young man. I think mostly, mostly because I was the kind of person, and, and maybe to some degree still am, who wants to accomplish something. And, and just do it implies, you know what, we've spent long enough sitting around talking about it and learning about it and, and sitting and, 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 and thinking and f- getting into the philosophy of things. Let's just do it and let's accomplish it. And so their whole, their whole marketing was, if you wear these shoes, then just go do it and you'll accomplish something. It was, it was very much playing to our sense and, and need to be identified with, with victory and with accomplishment. Now, some people are competitive just because they're egomaniacs. And they want to win because it's all about them. You know, they're out there and it might be you. Who knows? Um, but there's a, another part of us, and I think this probably resonates with more of us. And our desire to win or our desire to have victory is more from a sense of wanting to accomplish something meaningful. It's so that we can stand on top of the mountain, that part of human nature, and say, we have conquered this. It's so that we can get to the other side and say, we have invented, we have innovated, we have created, we have accomplished something. And that's something that God's put within us, and just do it gives us the idea that if we'll just wear their product to put their shoe on, then we can sense that form of accomplishment. We can get there. We can do it. You might want to write this down. Just do it implies that we are to abandon all hesitation, overcome all obstacles, and do what it takes. 
That's what we're reading about in God's word this morning. It's the just do it of scriptures. You've heard my word. Now listen, you need to get to a place, you can get to a place where you're willing to abandon your hesitation, overcome all obstacles, and do whatever it takes in order to accomplish what the word of God is telling you to experience. Now reading in James chapter 1, you'll read along with me. We're just going to start there in verse 21. And just read a few passages, a few verses, and then we'll move on. Verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Are you with me? You see it there? James 1, 21. He's setting the stage. See, James is writing to the scattered tribes, to the church who had been persecuted. They were going through difficulty. It was hard. They were surprised. You mean, you mean all of a sudden because I have Jesus and trusted him, everything's not easy and just... A cakewalk from now? And, and James's message is no. Actually, these difficulties, the challenges you're to overcome, stay with me, the challenges are, have a purpose. There's meaning to them. So embrace them. And in that context, he says, receive this word, which is implanted, it carries the idea of the seed being planted in our hearts, which is able to save your souls. Now look at verse 22. But, here's the caution, the word about the word. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, we're going to look at kind of the meaning of some of that in just a moment, but, but will you agree with me that at, the, at least the surface glance, this is talking about there is an advantage to following through with what you have heard from God's word and actually doing it. You agree? That's what he's saying? In fact, he's saying, if you don't, if you're just a hearer, but you don't follow through and do what God's word is saying, then it's likened unto this example that's going to turn out to be not so good. Are you with me so far? So is it good then to follow through and do what we hear from God's word? Do like this. Yes, that's good. Is it going to be not good if we just hear God's word, but never follow through and obey or respond to any of it? Not going to be do like this. Good. Okay, you guys are, okay, we're all on the same page. It took a little while this morning. You guys were chatty and sort of distracted and talking and having fun. That's all great, but, but we're going to learn something here too. And the important part is for us to respond as we hear this this morning. Now, two things about just do it. It brings great benefit, great blessing to our lives. Just do it in the athletic world leads to victory, competition. Just do it in the biblical world leads to victory as well. And I'm just going to show you two very short, simple, might even be a short message this morning, and so you'll be happy and want to come back next week. Just do it leads to, first of all, clarity. It leads to clarity. Um, He says, if you, and this is in verse 22, if you are being doers of the word and not hearers only, then you're not deceiving yourself. You see it there? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In other words, if you're here only, that brings deception. No, the problem with deception is there's a lack of clarity. If you're deceiving yourselves, you're fooling yourself, that means you don't have the truth. You don't have an accurate representation of what needs to happen or what reality is. You're you're being deceived and, and the, you know, thing about being deceived is you can waste lots of time and energy and effort facing your trials and difficulties and life decisions and and face all those things and still never get anywhere because you see them incorrectly and you're you're focusing on the wrong 
issues, the wrong areas. Leading to clarity when you just do God's word also helps us to avoid deception. Are you with me? We're going to get there. Turn in your Bibles back to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. You know, the Old Testament, they had some heroes. Just like today, uh, for golf, and golf, the just-do-it hero for a while was Tiger Woods. You remember? And he wore, he was the Nike spokesman, and he was the just-do-it guy. And this, because he was, he was very good. He won a lot. So it gave us the idea that just doing, following through, if we just put his shoes on and do it, we'll win also. Well, the Old Testament had their heroes, except they were biblical heroes. They were godly heroes. And in the Old Testament, you probably didn't know this, it's, it's, it's in the Hebrew translation. You can find it there if you talk to your scholar friends. But, um, but Joshua actually wore Nikes. He, he, wore, he, had, he had Just Do It logo on him. And it's there. All right, not really. But, but Joshua chapter 1 talks about, listen, Joshua is a Just Do It kind of guy. He was very clearly in his journey, in his pursuit of God, not just always hearing what God said, but willing to do what God said, wasn't he? You remember when the 12 spies came to the promised land the first time, and, and there were 10 that said, no, there's giants in the land, and there were two that said, no, 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 we can go, we should go, we should just do it. And Joshua was one of those just do it kind of guys. And so when he gets back with the second generation, he's now standing again, ready to go into the promised land, and God sends him a very clear message to encourage him to continue to be the person that doesn't just hear, but does what he hears from God and follows through. A few verses. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Look what it says here. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Time out. Let's just that you may prosper wherever you go. That sounds a little bit like victory to me. That sounds something like accomplishment, meaning, getting where you need to go. And he's telling Joshua, if you want to continue to be accomplishing what I've set before you, to have meaning and purpose in your life, then listen, he says, here's the instruction. You have to be strong and courageous to do what? That you may, now watch this in verse 7. In fact, you might even mark this in your Bible. Observe to do according to all that the word says. Observe to do. Two very important words. Observe there is the word that's kind of like watch out for, guard, keep protected, preserve. And then to, to do, the verb to do there means literally to, to work or to make or produce something. So you see, you put these together. He says, it's not just obey God's word. He says, be very watchful, be very protective, preserve in your life always so that you will make happen what all my commandments and all my word says. You see it? It's, it's, in, in, in the, you guys got to understand this. In the Hebrew mind, there's no such thing as only hearing from God. Their mind, they, they don't even conceptualize the possibility of only hearing from God but not doing it. They're, they're, they're married in the same concept. Observe, keep, preserve. In other words, every time you're going to hear, know ahead of time that you're going to preserve in your life, to keep guarded in your life, whatever it's going to take to do, to make, to produce what God's Word is saying to do. Be on watch, men and women, church members. Be on guard. Make significant adjustments to preserve in your life 
so that when you hear from God, you are ready and willing to then implement and do what God says. That is so important. Please don't miss that. If you don't preserve, if you don't protect, if you don't keep that place of priority in your life, then what happens if life comes and it just sort of gets so chaotic and crazy and you get on the crazy train and before you know it, there, there's, there's so much distraction and activity that doing God's word takes backseat. And before you know it, we get to the place where as Christians, it's culturally acceptable to just hear God's word and say that we're doing it and never really live it. And there we are, the modern church age today. So we're having to reprogram, to erase, to back up and rethink this concept. He says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. His word. Now we'll go on to verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may, here it is again, observe to do, watch, guard, protect, to be able to work, make, produce, according to all that is written in it. And then he says again, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And we're going to come back and finish that thought in just a minute, but let's, let's go on and finish verse 9. Have I not commanded you? You know, that's the spiritual way of saying, hello, are you getting this? Listen up, I'm going to say it again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The promise to, of strength and, and courage comes knowing that God's presence goes with us wherever we go. And the implication there is, so always then, remember to observe, to do according to all that you hear from God. That maintains His fellowship and his close presence in our life. Time out. Just see if you made that connection. Being careful to observe, to do all that his law says, facilitates and enables us to always remain in the presence of God. Now, you say, I thought we just always were in God's presence because we're loved by him and we're chosen and we're the church. Well, apparently Joshua wasn't guaranteed that. That promise of God's presence and not having to be afraid was conditional upon don't turn from it to the right or to the left. And how did I know which way to go? How do I know what the path is? Because the word says it. And when you do what God's word says, it brings a sense of clarity. It brings a sense of understanding. Now we're going to go up and finish this verse 8. Look at it with me. It's a little technical to jump into. and It's going to get fun. Don't worry. I promise. Well, maybe it won't get fun for you, but I'm going to have fun. So that's all that counts. You will make your way. Now, how are we going to make my way? Observe to do all that God commands. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, watch this. You've got to understand what he's saying here. He says, you will make your way prosperous. The idea for prosperous there, I've shared this with you once before. If you didn't get it the first time, write it down. Make it stick. It's the idea of of an advancement, of progress. You'll make your way prosperous. You will gain progress. And the implication there is the right progress in the way that you want to go that God will never depart and you can be courageous. Do not fear, right? You with me? So 
you will make progress, proceed in this journey, in, in what God's calling you to do, if you what? Observe to do. Just want to, I know, I'm getting annoying, but I'm doing it on purpose. It does not say observe to know what God's Word says. Observing just to know what God's Word says is a wonderful start, but it's not the biblical promise to make your way advance and proceed along the way that will bring success. You with me? That step requires not just hearing and, and maybe to know, observe to know, or observe to recite, or observe to, to, to be able to articulate, but observe to do. So that when we begin acting and responding, and God's word says this, so I order my priorities this way, and God's word commands me to do this, so my mind frame, my, my, what I allow myself to focus on, the habits of my life, are, are resulting, flowing from, get it? Coming from what God's word says. Guys, just, just, um, just don't be hard on each other. You, you're not to be blamed necessarily for this, but just understand most of us have a disconnect between the hearing and the doing. We've become experts in Western civilization at being hearers only, but looking like we're being doers. And you just kind of look in your heart and go, you know what? Actually, when nobody's looking and that thought comes to my mind and I respond on that thought and I get angry and I get bitter and these kind of things take, those are from resulting of me acting in a way that God's word says not to act. Doing not what it says to do, but what I feel like doing. So our lifestyle is to be governed by doing not what you think, not what your Sunday school teacher said, but what God's word, the scripture says to do. And then he says, then you will make your way prosperous, advancing, succeeding. Now, where does that lead to? You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have, it says, good success. Now, this might surprise you a little bit. What is good success? If I had to look that word up, in the Hebrew, the original language, what does that really mean? How do I define good success in my life? Do you want good success? I'm asking the question. It's, okay, it's a church service, but you can still talk, you know. I mean, yeah, I think I want good success. That sounds like something might be worthwhile, right? Especially if it's coming from God's Word and it says I should want it. So what is this good success that I'm to look after or expect if I do what God's word says, that I will proceed in. Good success. Now, just for a minute, pick a concept that you think it might mean. Just keep it to yourself. Don't, don't just share it with your neighbor yet. Okay? Good success. I think, it, I think it means... Okay, now, if you have a neighbor you're comfortable with, go ahead and share it with them. What does it mean? Just tell them quickly. Your spouse or the person next to you. I think good success means... Go ahead, tell them. I don't hear... You think I'm just saying that. I mean it. Tell somebody next to you. Okay, so if you're listening on the radio, the tape later, just pretend there's a person next to you if there's not and write it down and say, this is what I would say. What does it mean then to have good success? I have lots of ideas too, just like you do, but it may surprise you to learn what the actual meaning is. You ready for it? Now see, now you're, now you're talking too much. <laughs> can't get you started, now I can't get you to be quiet. Just teasing. Now what? The term for good success there literally means wisdom. 
The, the ultimate goal, according to what the scripture says, is, is to progress for Joshua, for you and I, to proceed successfully to the point where we gain what he defines good success as a manner of perspective. The decision-making ability that comes from God. To see the world around us. Don't miss this, church. To see your circumstances as God sees them. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is what God knows that we don't know, that we wish we knew and understood. It's, it's, it's a vision, an understanding, a perception, a perspective that we gain. This is so interesting, guys. I think so much of the church just this goes right over our heads sometimes. We miss this. And why do we end up making the same old decisions that are bad for us? Because we lack wisdom. It's a maturity of perspective where our thoughts begin to seem like God's thoughts. Our way of seeing things is, here's all this mess around me that's going on, but here's what I see God doing. Have you ever known somebody that, like that in your life? And they're just, you're just so distracted by the storm and the waves and everything that's happening, and they're going, yeah, but, but have you ever considered this is what the Lord is doing? And that, that observation just totally radically changes your perspective. Oh, yeah, good point. I was so wrapped up in the wind and the rain, I didn't see the blessing, what God might be doing. Guys, that's what Joshua needed to successfully lead the people of Israel into the chosen promised land to experience all that God wanted them to do. Joshua needed a sense of perspective and wisdom to know how to lead them, to be courageous, to go right into the opposition and know that he could win because he was in the ways and the paths that God wanted him to be. That's good success. Hey, here's an idea. Young parents, parents of young children, I do this, try this. Go home and begin to redefine what success is in the value economy of your home. Kids pick up what success means, even if you don't tell them, right? And if you're at work all day, Dad, and you give work your best effort, and you give your children the leftovers then what's success to them is getting ahead, making money, right? How do I lead my family? How do we as a family redefine our value system so that success, making prosperous advancement, is gaining an understanding of the world around me according to God's ways so that I can continue to walk with Him? It brings clarity. What does Observe to do brings clarity in our lives, and it will bring good success. Um, it, it's sort of an advancement process that if you're um, not careful, you miss. Anybody want to miss God's best this morning? You wouldn't admit that in church, but probably most of us don't really want to miss it. Observe to do. Now, you just you can stay right there. I'm going to turn to Psalm 119 in a minute. Listen again. But be doers of the word, it said in James, and not hearers only, then deceiving yourselves. So just do it leads to clarity. It brings success, but it also brings restoration. Restoration. Now turn to Psalm 119. I want to show you what that looks like. I've got an idea. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free. Um, there's probably some folks in this room 
and you, you have made, at some point in your life, you have made a mistake. Would that be accurate? Would that be safe to say? I could probably step in just about any room full of people on the planet and say that and still be right. So it was a safe one, right? But, but think about it. And we can have fun with that because we like to know that the person next to us is, makes mistakes just like we do. And we can laugh at our mistakes. But sometimes, sometimes, church, our mistakes are serious. Sometimes they're failures. Sometimes our, our failures bring reproach, consequences. Sometimes there's some hurtful experience that we've been through because of mistakes that we've made, places we've been in life. Is there anybody there with me? And those things just sort of hang on sometimes, and you're always sort of, come on, be, be honest. In the back of your mind, you're always sorting to just, always sort of just trying to get through life in some way to where you're no longer under the shadow of what you used to be. Of how you used to be characterized or how that mistake has cost you so dearly. That failure has been so painful, so hurtful. And what you really need, what you really need is that final stage and last step of restoration. So that you're separated from that. Look in Psalm 119. Get a clear picture of this restoration process in an unusual place. You guys know Psalm 119 is that passage, that psalm that talks about God's word over and over and over again. Some debate about who the, who the actual author is. Some say it's David. Some say it's Daniel. Some say it's Ezra. Don't know. Doesn't say. I like to think in my own mind it's David just because it sounds like him. And it's very poetic the way it's written. But regardless, it's God's word. And he's writing here about the word over and over and over again. And this is the season in his life where he's just saying, I know how much I desperately need every word you say, God. And I want to live that way according to my life. And we pick it up there in verse 65. Psalm 119, verse 65. You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Watch this. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You're good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I will delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than a thousand coins of silver. Look, let's break this down for just a second. Look in verse 66. Teach me good judgments and knowledge. You see, God, in your word, show me your judgments and your understanding, what you know. Okay, so that's the hearing and the understanding. And then watch the connection there to the next verse. For I believe your commandments. Now, when we talk about God's word in terms of commandments, what does that bring to mind for you? The do's and the don'ts, right? Look at, look at, look at the connection. Teach me your perspective, your understanding, the knowledge that comes from you. Teach me what I need to know so then I can do what you say. I, 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 your commandments become life-giving. Your commandments become the right thing to do, what I desire to do, what I long to do and see in my life. 
so that we fail to see God's commandments, his what to do with our life, what not to do in our lives, we fail to see those as sort of a legalistic list of judgments and a harsh God who just wants to ruin our life by having us do all these dry and boring things in life. So that that understanding changes and we begin to see, you know what, God's ways, his commandments come so that I might experience more life. So that I would avoid the dangers and the pitfalls and the mistakes that I have in my life. And he begins to experience a restoration. He says, verse 67, before I was afflicted when I went astray. (laughs) Has anybody ever been afflicted when you went astray? That's the things we're talking about. I sure would like to get away from the shadow of that. And he says, but now I keep your word. I, the idea there is I obey your word, right? I keep, I maintain it. I do what it says to do. The psalmist figured out the way to escape the reproach and the, the negative connotations and the shadow and the shame of being afflicted when you went astray is to keep his commandments. See, he learned that when God showed him his error, it wasn't just so that God could beat him up and tell him what a, a horrible failure he was. God showed him his error so that he could find out the right way. Now listen, not just so he knew the right way, but to what? Do it. And when I began to keep the commandments, when I began to do the things that God says to do, when I didn't just hear what he was saying from his word, but I made it my life to respond and to do God's word, he said, then I was able to separate myself. Now I'm able to look back and have a good, clear perspective on my afflictions and my failures and say, God is good. And it was good. There's a restoration process that comes. Um... I think I'm going to leave that there. Now, Joshua figured out the key was not just to hear God's word, but to do it, not to stray from the left to the right. The psalmist figured out that the way of restoration to get escape the, the, the shadow of his failures in his past and the affliction was to keep God's commandments and do what he said and to love them as life. All for the sake of what? clarity, bringing right thinking and right seeing depends on doing what God says to do. Now, if you turn back to James 1, we'll finish that thought with one last word study. Okay, we're going to get into something really fun here in just a second, so stay with me. This is maybe just a little bit academic. Y'all okay with that? Okay, good, because I'm going to do it anyway. But anyway, James 1, look what it said, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now we talk about that in general terms. That's not being, having, having clear sight, not being deceived, to see it as it is, truth. But it's interesting, the actual meaning of the word there, it's a mathematical term. Now, guys, there's some things some of us are good at, some things some of us are not good at. When it comes to mathematics, I'm the not good at, okay? I'm sorry. Science was my thing. I could do science. Math, for some reason, was not. History I love. 
Math I despise. Anybody else? See, if you're a math person, you love math. That's, I, wish, I wish I was like that. But that this, is a, this is the mathematical term. Now, I'm going to try the best I can from a person's perspective who hates math. And by the way, kids, if you hate math, you still have to do it anyway. Okay? Because it, it does benefit. But me, I, I just struggled with it. Now, the, the term here is, is really the term for mathematical miscalculation. So, you remember in uh, algebra? Yeah, there's geometry now. It's algebra. Remember algebra way back when? Some of you, it wasn't so way back. And those, the formulas that we had to figure out mathematically in algebra were sometimes very lengthy, weren't, weren't they? And they oftentimes involved multiple steps. You remember? You had to do this step in order to get this. And then when you got that solution, that gave you the information to go to step two. And then and you plug that in, and then you figure it out, right? And there's a certain order that you had to do it in, you remember? Okay. Then just believe me, it's true. There's several steps. And, and at any point along the process of figuring out a mathematical equation, if you make a mistake in that, sometimes even just a very small mistake, sometimes it's just putting a, a, a positive instead of a minus, or adding instead of subtracting or multiplying, right? You, here's the point. The point. You end up at some point in the process, if you make a mistake with, here's the end product, you end up with the wrong solution. You with me? But here's the thing. In a mathematical equation, when you're figuring it out and you make one of those miscalculations, you don't know that you've made a miscalculation necessarily, and you can still work it all out, and you can still come up with a number, an answer, in the very end, and it may be wrong, but it worked. That was my math. <laughs> but this is completely the wrong answer. But it worked. I got there and, okay, look, back here, you made this miscalculation. That caused you to have the wrong information on the next line. You see it? Now, apply that principle to what James is saying about not just being hearers, but doers of the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because here's what he says, if you're here only, you make mathematical calculations, miscalculations in your life. Deceiving yourself. You see, you get to the end or you think you're getting to the end and you're doing what's right and you're investing your resources properly and you're receiving the praise and the admonition of your friends and your neighbors and they respect you and you're making lots of money and the car you drive is nicer than everybody else's and you think you're getting there but you're deceived because you made a miscalculation way back in the process. Why? Because you just heard what God's word said and you said, yeah, that's God's word, it's good, but you didn't do it. That's what's at stake here. You see how important it is for families, for, for churches, for those of us as individuals seeking to follow the Lord? We need perception. We need clarity so that we know that where we're going is the right investment in the right direction. We're making the proper use of our lives. Whoa, okay. You need a stretch after that. You need a... But listen... No matter how far down the road you've been, God is such a gracious corrector when it comes to our lives. Just like the psalmist. At any point, we can turn back and say, God, I want to do what your word says, not just hear it only. And immediately when we do it, it begins to correct the errors in our life. 
that begins to give us the proper solutions and the right answers and the good place to go. I know that that's what you want. Just do it leads to clarity. I do too. But there's one more thing that just do it leads to victory in. And here's one I'm going to spend just a few moments. We might have a little fun with this. Just do it also leads to cleansing and growth. It leads to clarity, but it also leads to cleansing and growth. Cleansing and growth help us to avoid stagnation. Stagnation is just not a very fun word, is it? Nobody wants to be stagnant. You think of a pond that's stagnant? It probably stinks. It's nasty. The Dead Sea is stagnant. That's what makes it dead. Nothing can live there. Stagnant is neither going forward or going backwards. Hey, guess what? Guess what? In your walk with God, there's no such thing as neutral. You're either growing, successfully proceeding in your journey with God, or you're going backwards and unsuccessfully, I know somebody's worried I'm going to fall off the stairs, I know, sorry, or regressing. There's no in-between. There there might be just for a a slight second when you stop, but you don't stay there, do you? If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. Big biblical stagnation, biblical stagnation, is to fall backwards or to regress. You with me? Okay? How many people want to be stagnant biblically? Good. You must have understood it. Right? Because that causes us to fall backwards and to regress. That means further away from God. And we don't want that. So turning your Bibles all the way back to Exodus, and I want to show you a wonderful illustration of how this looks. This growth and cleansing. Cleansing and growth. I'd like to challenge you, church, to begin to think of your spiritual growth process. Spiritual growth. Inseparably connected to a cleansing process. Your growth, advancing, maturing, becoming more like Christ, is directly tied, inseparably tied. You can't separate it from this principle called cleansing. They go hand in hand biblically. And I want to show you where that starts. All the way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the children of Israel had been delivered from slavery, remember? And they were going out into the wilderness, and God established through Moses to set up this thing called the tabernacle. You remember that? The tabernacle was the, the tent of meeting, the dwelling place, and, and it was mobile. They picked packed it up and picked it up, and whenever God said move, and they followed God, and they moved, and then whenever God said they s- to stop, they stopped, and they would immediately unpack and set up the tabernacle, this tent meeting place. And God was teaching them. Guys, you got to understand this. There's so much to learn about the Bible. We just, it's so rich. Everything God did in the life of Old Testament Israel is a type and a picture of what he intends to do and wants to do today in the church. They're not the same, but he uses the Israel Old Testament to build a foundation so that we know how to correctly interpret and apply the New Testament when Jesus comes. He fulfills in every single way. Think about it. He himself is the Passover lamb. Well, where did they learn about the Passover lamb? The blood on the doorposts when they were delivered from slavery. And that literally, typologically, 
allegorically pointed to the shedding of a blood of a real holy spotless lamb, right? That would deliver all of us from slavery, from bondage. Okay? Now watch. The Old Testament tabernacle has all of the same wonderful treasures to show us how God wants to relate to us today in the church. And he taught them, and I want to focus this morning on just one of the elements of the tabernacle that teaches us about this cleansing and growth process. And it's called the labor. The labor. So you're back there in Exodus chapter 40. I think it says verse 12 and 20 on your outline. We're actually going to look at verse 12 and 30. Look at 12. Verse 12 of chapter 40. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. Okay, this is God's instruction, how to operate in this new tabernacle, and all the priests were to come and receive a one-time initial cleansing. Okay, and then some things happen inside the tabernacle. We're not going to read all of them today for time's sake, but we get to verse 30. Now watch. Verse 30 says, He set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put it there for washing. He set the labor there for washing. So there was a one-time washing. Now it's talking about another washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons would wash their hands and their feet from it. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting, and whenever they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. All right? Now let's see what's happening here. The tabernacle was the place where God's people learned to be with God. They learn to know God and to hear from Him and to offer up communication and praise back to Him, okay? Where they learn who God was personally. And ultimately, at the goal of the tabernacle, there was way back this holy of holies, but but you couldn't always get there, and only the high priest could get there, right? There was this whole process to go through. The first process, after you get through the gate, was the altar of sacrifice where blood was spread everywhere. And the priest then, representing those getting to to fellowship with God, would then go in, and there was this laver. It was a huge basin. It was basically a a, a tub, and it was filled with water. And after they were initially cleansed and allowed to come in, getting closer to God, the sacrifices were made. Now they go into the holy place, and they do all the showbread and the table of incense and all those things where they fellowship with God and the wonderful intimacy. All those have meaning and someday we'll look at them. But, but before getting to be really intimate with God and close to God, before that, after getting through the sacrifice, there was this tub of water and they were instructed to wash themselves again and again and again and again. See it? The washing, when, when, when did they wash, wash themselves when they came in? Getting closer to God, fellowship with God. If they wanted to have fellowship with God, they had to wash off the dirt and the blood. Wash when they had done more blood sacrifice, when they served God, when they loved the people and served God, they, they picked up some dirt along the way, didn't they? You with me? And what did they do? You don't go into fellowship with God with dirt on your hands, so the labor is provided for you to wash off the dirt before you go back in again. What a, what, gosh, am I the only one that's excited this morning? This stuff is so cool. This is the glory of God. God says, you come, church. Come in close and know me and hear my voice and know my plans for your life and love me and experience the joy and the fulfillment of being very close to me and having me as your heavenly father. But as you come in, you first have to 
not just your one-time cleansing, but you've been serving and you've been sacrificing and you've been living life in those dirty paths. Before you come in close, you've got to keep clean. That's what the labor's for. I'm awfully glad for them there was a labor there. Otherwise, they'd be stuck. It's really enlightening, I think, for us to see the application today to know how the labor was made. Because I want to know, what does that in my life? What do I have in the New Testament church age where I can go and be cleansed and come in close to the holy places, the holy of holies? I've been washed in the blood of Christ. I'm there. I'm going to heaven. I've been forgiving of my sins. But watch this. Being forgiven of your sins through the blood of Christ, Christ doesn't always equate to fellowship with God. It always equates to relationship with God. But it does not always equate to fellowship with God. If you struggle with that, read 1 John. God wants us up close and personal. Okay, now turn a couple chapters back to chapter 38. We'll move on and close here. 38. Exodus 38. Look at verse 8. When God was instructing Moses how to make the labor, this is what he said. Verse 8. Moses is making it. He made the labor of bronze and its base of bronze from, watch this, the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. The labor itself was made for cleansing. It was made for cleansing. It was made from mirrors. It was made from mirrors. What for? For cleansing. Watch this. Typically, how do I know where to wash myself? Where I'm out of place? Now, I take great care in keeping my hair just right, so how do I know when hairs are out of place? The mirror. The mirror shows me. The place of cleansing in the tabernacle was literally made. All the women brought their bronze, shiny, polished mirrors that they used, and they brought them in so that the labor could be made of the reflective mirrors of the people, so that when they go to wash these priests, it's representative of them being able to see first what needs to be washed, to see what God sees. Their washing becomes a response to what God shows them. So it does two things. It reflects, and it cleanses. The labor reflects and it cleanses. Reflects, and it cleanses. Why? Because it's made of mirrors. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He who hears the word only and doesn't do the word is like one that doesn't finish the cleansing process so he can continue to grow. That's what that means. He walks away and forgets, never making the changes necessary without the continual representation of what God sees and what God wants. 
the spiritual growth, the advancement and, and maturity in our faith is so critical, it's so essential, but you don't get there without this ongoing, necessary cleansing that happens. God shows you what he sees in your life, and you repent, and you cleanse, you ask for forgiveness, and then you move on. And how do you move on? You do what God says to do. You do God's word. You obey God's word. It's not, it's not like a sense of penance. That we're just doing random acts of kindness to make up for what we did wrong. It's a sense of obedience. Learning to be clean. And I have to wrap things up a little early. I've got some announcements for you today. But I want you to leave with this church. I want you to see that when we only hear God's word and don't actually begin to order our lives and act and do in response to it, we lose a sense of clarity. We lose our perspective and vision and we're deceived. But we also get to the point where because we don't have the cleansing process leading to growth, that we become stagnant and we stop growing. We're still a member of a church. We still might even give and tithe and do good deeds, but spiritually speaking, we're missing the fellowship with God. And maybe it's been a long time. And we've forgotten what that's like. And where did I miss all of a sudden the joy of being a child of God? When, when did I stop experiencing that, this closeness with God? Let me help you. It might have stopped the day you decided, I like God's word. I like to hear it and sing about it, and I like to know what it says. But I don't have the time or effort to make the adjustments to do what it actually says to do. So this morning we have the opportunity again, we've been doing this for several weeks, just to hear God again, be cleansed again, and write down some steps. What is God telling me to do in his word this week? It might even be completely unrelated to your sin problem or what you confessed. Confess it, hear God, and obey. That's the formula for spiritual growth. Let's pray. possible God's speaking to you this morning and you're here and what he's telling you what God wants you to see perhaps is that his son Jesus died on the cross for your sin the Bible teaches very clearly his word says that we are sinners and we need forgiveness and Jesus is the only one his death on the cross that can provide that forgiveness and give eternal life as a result if your heart this morning your desire this morning is accept Jesus as your savior confess his death, burial, and resurrection for your sin problem, then I want to invite you to respond right now. Relationship with God, fellowship to God, to you depends on responding, and it's a step of faith, a prayer, and it goes something like this. You pray along with me in your heart. Father, I know that I sin, and my sin prevents me from getting to you. So this morning, I trust Jesus Christ his payment on the cross, the shedding of his blood as atonement for my sins. And I trust you, accept you by faith, and invite you into my life.
Others, perhaps, we have a few moments here to respond. Somewhere, God's leading in your life. And maybe he spoke to you through this Bring the Book series or there's some cleansing that needs to just finally complete itself in your life. And you just just want to come to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I'm here to do your will. I'm here to obey. I want to be like the psalmist and keep your commandments. And perhaps you would enjoy an opportunity to respond now and invite you to come to the altar. You might kneel, sit, or stand and just come and respond as God speaks to your heart and you've heard. Just make a few steps this morning and come to the altar and begin a response to say, Lord, here's what I will do based on what you have said. Now I'm going to get out of the way. You continue to pray. If God's speaking to your heart, you come, you respond. so much for being good to us, God. Full of grace, mercy. We sense your love as you give us again instruction. You give us direction. And you allow us to correct and obey and respond to you. And our hope and desire, our prayer, is that as we do, we know you and experience you in our lives. Lord, it's our heart as a church to join you in saying, yes, we want to keep your commandments. We want to do your ways. We want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray.